Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. How you guys doing? Oh, come on, you better now. How are you guys doing? There you go. So glad to be here. It's an honor to be in God's house today. And I'm, I'm from Texas, so you have no idea how long it took to get here by horseback, but I'm glad to be here. And uh, my name is Bill Cornelius. I pastor a church called Church Unlimited, and uh, I'm just glad to be here. And I've had the privilege of getting to know your pastor and his wife and their entire team. What a great group of people. I just want to tell you, you're blessed to have an amazing pastor in Pastor Joe and Gina. They are phenomenal. Can we just give it up real quick for our pastors? So grateful for them and their leadership. And I had a great time last night. We just ended up, they just kind of pelted me with questions about ministry, and I got to pelt them back with questions as well. And we got to learn from one another. It was a great time just to learn and grow. And I just, I love doing that. And so uh, we're just excited about what God has next for you as a church. And what an honor it is just to be here today. And so just thanks for coming. Thanks for being a part of the church today. Hey, do me a favor real quick. Grab something to write with. Would you do that? Grab something to write with. Maybe, you, maybe if you're a digital person, use your phone. That's fine. You can take some notes, but no tweeting. All right, no tweeting. All right, I want you to actually take notes. All right. And so pull your phone out or grab a pen or a pencil or prick your finger, whatever works for you, okay? So I want to give you some things to write down. And so, uh, and also I kind of speak fast. I'm not going not gonna to lie. I speak about 350 words a minute with Gus up to 750. So here we go. All right. So, uh, but I want to talk to you today about how God wants to awaken in you his destiny. God has a destiny for your life and he wants you to become awakened to that destiny. We're going to be looking at a, a girl by the name of Mary, very popular in scripture, of course. And so Mary's a big deal in the Bible. And we're going to talk about her a little bit today. And again, I'm just glad that you guys are here today. Thanks for letting me join you. And it's been just an honor to be here all weekend long. What a great service we had last service as well as Saturday night. And I'm just, I'm honored to be here in the house today. And so I kind of jump around a little fast. So you may want to turn to Matthew chapter one. So we're going to be looking today because I'm definitely ADD. So anyways, but I want to talk to you today about how God has a divine destiny for you. He really does. How many of you guys ate too much for Thanksgiving, by the way? Let's just get that over with right now, right? How many of you guys are already like, I seriously, I did too. I'm wearing my paternity pants because of that, you know what I'm saying? Because I just went kind of crazy, right? And so I, I'm with you, right? So hopefully we're getting past that now and, you know, kind of getting ready for Christmas. Can you believe Christmas is like upon us now? It just comes so much faster every single year. It's crazy. And so anyways, we're glad to be here. So I thought we'd start off talking about the Christmas story today. Before I get into that, though, I want to tell you a quick story. There was a guy, he goes to his pastor, his name's Bob. He says, hey, pastor, at the end of the service, would you pray for me? You know, he goes to him and says, will you pray for me? He says, yeah, Bob, what do you want me to pray for you about? He says, man, pastor, you know, I'm single, and I'm really looking for the right girl in my life. He's like, Bob, that's great. I think God has someone for you, and that's wonderful. He says, he says I want you to pray for me, but, but I want to be real specific. He says, I'm, I'm really asking, I'm asking God to bring me a really, like a, like a hot woman, like a really hot woman, like a, like a 10, you know? He's like, okay, Bob, I understand. He goes, but Pastor, look at me. Okay, look. He goes, I'm like 100 pounds overweight, okay? So I, I, I'm a pretty big guy, but I, I still really want a hot wife, and I realize that that normally doesn't match, and so just pray for me that I'll be able to lose some weight. The pastor just felt really led in a moment. He said, you know, I'm not just going to pray for you, Bob. I'm actually going to help you out. Here's what I want you to do. This afternoon, I want you to go to the mall, and I want you to buy a jogging outfit. And I want you to get some good running shoes and meet me downstairs at your house in front of your house at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. He's like, are you serious, Pastor? You do that for me? He goes, you're going to give me a personalized exercise program? He goes, Bob, I guarantee you what I'm going to do with you will work. You will get in the shape of your life. I promise you. Just be there ready. Go get your jogging outfit on. You know, buy some good running shoes. 8 a.m. tomorrow morning out front of your house. 
be ready. He's like, okay, pastor, I'll do it. This is great. Thanks so much. Praise for him, right? After service, he goes to the mall. He's surprised to find out that the big and tall stores, they actually have some big jogging outfits for him that, that he fits. And so he's got the jogging outfit. He gets the running shoes on. And so the next morning, right, he's up and he's ready about 8 a.m. He's stretching. He's kind of getting ready. He's like, okay, I haven't ran in years. I mean, I hope this goes well. And he goes to the door and he's about to open it to meet his pastor outside. And there's a knock at the door. It's not his pastor, though. He opens the door, and there's this hot little blonde. She's like 25, 30 years old, in great shape. And she says, the pastor wants me to tell you, if you can catch me, you can have me. And she takes off running. He's like, oh! He starts chasing after her. And now he's running. He only gets like 50 yards. He's like, I just can't. I can't. I can't keep going. Oh, I can't do this, right? And so the next day, she comes back. Same thing happens. This time, he gets about 100 yards. He's exhausted. He can't do it anymore. The next day, this keeps going on for months. In fact, six months in, he has lost 85 pounds. He looks great. He's now got a new tight little jogging outfit on him. He looks good. He feels good, you know. He's got his running shoes on, and he thinks, tomorrow is the day I'm going to finally catch her. I'm literally going to catch her. And the woman in my dream. So he gets up early, and he gets his little jogging outfit on. He's stretching. He's like, oh yeah, this is it. This is the day. She's going to be mine. It's going to happen, right? So he goes to the door to open it, and she's always there and on the run, and he's going to chase her. But instead, he opens the door, and there's a knock at the door, and he opens the door, and it's not her. Instead, it's this really large, overweight woman in a jogging outfit. She says, the pastor told me that if I can catch you, I can have you. And he, ah! and he goes and runs. <laughs> Here's my question for you today. What or who are you in pursuit of? God wants us to be in pursuit of something. God wants us to be in pursuit of his destiny that he has for our lives. I believe that God has a divine destiny for each of our lives, and he wants us to be in pursuit of it. Are you just existing? Are you just functioning? Are you pursuing something? Are you existing? Are you functioning? Are you pursuing someone? God has a divine destiny for you and me. Mary had a divine destiny that God had for her, and we're about to discover that she she was about to discover that she was pregnant. She didn't even know it, right? In the same way, you are pregnant with destiny, just like Mary was pregnant with destiny. Turn to the person next to you right now and say, I hate to tell you this, I'm pregnant. Go ahead and let them know right now. Just turn right now. Fathers all across this auditorium almost passed out. They're like, you cannot be pregnant. It's not good. And so, but we are all, we're pregnant with destiny. We really are. Let's pick up in scripture in Matthew chapter one. I'm going to give you four simple principles today on how to step into the destiny you have to awaken to your destiny. Let's look at scripture today. Matthew chapter one, verse 18. It says in the New Living Translation, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So Joseph is in love with a young girl named Mary. Mary's in love with a young guy named Joseph. This happens everywhere around the world all the time. Now, back in ancient days... In, in Israel, actually, the legal part was the engagement, and then the marriage was the ceremonial part. See, in our day, the legal part's the marriage, and the ceremonial part is really just the engagement. Like, if you have a wedding ring, it doesn't make it legal. You can give the ring back if you want. You can break up. No harm, no foul, no processing and paperwork, no big deal. But in their day, if you're engaged, you're married legally. You are legally bound to one another. One person does one thing, and it has ramifications on you, or vice versa. So they were already legally, as far as the courthouse goes, they were married. They just weren't living together. They weren't sleeping together. This was the process by which they did. And they would they'd say, okay, I, I commit to you. You commit to me. And so let's, let's do that. And then we're going to now get our home ready. And I'm going to get the home ready for you. And then we're going to have a big ceremony a year from now. That's kind of how that worked. So they were already legally married, but they weren't living together, and they weren't sleeping together. 
Okay? And so all of a sudden, Joseph sees Mary show up, and he's like, uh, hold on a second. What's up with the baby bump? What's going on? I see a little something going on there. This is not cool. And he's like, are you kidding me? What, would you do Netflix and chill with someone I don't know about? What's going on? And so he's like, what is happening, right? And she's like, no, 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 no. It's God's baby. Now, girls, I don't recommend trying this at home. Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. But don't worry, it's God's child. Yeah, right. Uh-huh, sure it is, right? I don't think so, all right? And so that's what she says. She says, no, no, this is God's child. The Lord told me this is going to happen. Joseph's like, are you kidding me? I mean, come on. Now, before you give, give Joseph a hard time, do you really think you'd believe a girl you're engaged to say, well, I'm pregnant, but it's God's child? I mean, you probably wouldn't believe this, is, this has only happened once in history, probably not going to happen again, right? And so she says, no, really, this is God's child. Let's pick up on her perspective. This is from Luke chapter 1, verses 30. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have, been found, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. It goes on in verse 34. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. She said, may everything you say about me come true. Can we just say it to God today? God, may everything you say about me come true. Not what my friends say about me, not what my coworkers say about me, not, not, not my boss who's down, uh, down my throat, all, all up my grill, but may, Lord, what you say about me come true, right? And so I don't know about you, but I want everything God has for my life. I don't want what God has for your life. I just want what God has for my life. You're the same way, right? Say, God, may all the potential you placed in me come true. May I fulfill all that you say about me. And God says a lot about you and me. Now, this is important to note, though. Here's what's going on. Joseph was not prepared for this. He's like, are you kidding me? I didn't sign up for this. We're supposed to fall in love, get married, eventually have kids, but I, I didn't know you were going to start off with a kid. Like, that, that wasn't the order that I had set in motion. And many of us have something that's interrupted our lives, too. Maybe you were betrayed by someone. You know, every single mom and single dad in the room will tell you they didn't sign up for this. They didn't know this was going to go down like that. They thought they'd still be married. They thought they'd still be with someone, Right? Like, I thought I was in this whole parenting thing together, but now I'm in it alone. You know, those of you who have lost a job, you didn't sign up for that. I didn't know the steel mill was going to close. I didn't know they were going to have downsizing at the, at, at the manufacturing company. I didn't know I was going to lose my job. I didn't know the economy was going to do, do what it did. I mean, I wasn't prepared for this. Oftentimes, we get our lives interrupted. But can I tell you something? Honestly, if it was not for the disappointments and the interruptions, we probably would not even be Christians. But it was because things went bad that we finally went to God and said, okay, Lord, I need you. It's when things did not go our way that God gets our attention. God awakens us to things of God. The fact that it didn't go your way is actually a sign that God's in charge and not you. That's actually what that's a sign of. And so instead of complaining and saying, oh, Lord, this is so out of control, actually God would say to you, actually, this is the first time I've proven that I am in control and you're not. That's why we get upset. We're like, Lord, I've been giving you my will and you're not doing it. And God's like, you don't understand how this works. I'm supposed to give you my will. And so I'm doing what I want to do. I'm large and in charge. You're small and on call. That's how it works. Does that make sense? Like, we always want to reverse it and say, no, I'm going to give you my will. God's like, no, I'm going to give you my will. So if you're taking notes, would you write this down? Number one, please write this down. Life's interruptions are God's introductions. Life's interruptions are actually God's introductions. So it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. Then God is introducing himself to you in a new way. You see, when you really, when God gets a hold of us is when things don't turn out like we thought it was going to go. That's when God 
really gets our attention. I don't know about you, but that's when I finally go, okay, Lord, what do you want? Because this is not what I thought was going to happen. This is not how I thought this was going to turn out. That's when God gets our attention. Look what happens next in verse 20, Matthew chapter 1. As he considered this, as Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, the name Jesus actually means the Lord saves. That's what the actual name of Jesus means. And so Joseph is actually what we call a divine relationship. This is a, excuse me, a destiny relationship. Would you write this down, number two? As God draws you into his plans, he also draws you into what we call destiny relationships destiny relationships. This is not a normal relationship. This is a destiny relationship. When I was meeting with your pastor, I could sense that there was a destiny relationship going on. There was a connection point that we had to where he is believing God for more for this church. I did not come here just to preach. I I love preaching. I love bringing God's word to you. That's great. But honestly, the most important thing happened behind the scenes, connecting with one another, dreaming together, saying, what does God have next for your church? And I want to tell you, your pastor's pregnant with destiny. Your, Your whole worship team pregnant with destiny. Your whole leadership team, pregnant with destiny. God is doing something new in this church, and one of the signs he's doing something new in our lives is with new relationships. I can show you the trajectory of our ministry in Corpus Christi has been, we we began to grow, God began to do something new, but then I met a new pastor, a new connection point, and I learned some new things, and our growth trajectory went up. Then I met another pastor over a few years later, and my, our growth trajectory went up. And we went from 100 to 300 to 500 to 1,000, met a new pastor, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 9,000 later. And God's not done. It's not about the numbers. It's about your trajectory. Listen, it's not, don't get caught up in the numbers. Understand this. God always introduces you to someone new when he wants to take you on a new path. And so new relationships equals new levels, okay? Now, I'm not saying, oh, you're married, so you're going to meet someone. I don't mean like that. I mean, relationally, there's someone, a a new mentor, a new connection point we're talking about. And so God will do that. Now, with Mary and Joseph, they were single. And oftentimes, singles are saying, I'm looking, Pastor, for that divine destiny relationship. Like, I want to fall in love with the right person. But here's the problem. You're still hanging out with the wrong person. And so you got to break up with Mr. and Mrs. Wrong so you can make room for Mr. and Mrs. Right. And so this is important to understand this. God has a divine destiny. Now, I didn't say divorce because that's a divine connection God's already allowed to happen. And so if you, you may say, I got in this whole thing the wrong way. Well, God got you in it. And so you need to know that that's his destiny for you is to now make it great. But understand this. I want to talk to singles real quick. Singles, if you're looking for the divine destiny person in your life, there's a couple things you need to know. Let me, let me just give you three things real quick. In fact, this applies to everybody. But let me give you th- some things about destiny people. The first thing you need to know about destiny people is there people that choose obedience over convenience? Destiny people choose obedience to God over convenience. That's a big deal. When I see these single people say, well, well, they're a Christian. They don't really go to church much because they're real busy. So what you're saying is they're, they're choosing convenience over obedience. Oh, church is not an option. It, it, it's, a, it's, it's something we choose to do. It, it's a command of God to be in God's house every week. Are you choosing convenience or are you choosing obedience, right? And so we obey God whether we feel like coming to church or not, we're here. Whether we feel like honoring God or not, we're here. And so, by the way, if I was single and I was wanting to date someone, I wouldn't touch anyone with a 10-foot pole that was not serving in God's house. Not just going, but serving. And ladies, can I tell you something? If you won't serve in God's house, he's not going to serve in your house either. So wait. I, I didn't say that in any other service for this one. Maybe God just had that for you today. 
There's another thing. Check this out. People that, people that are destiny people are people that choose what's right over what feels right. They choose what's right over what feels right. You may say, but, oh, but I love him. I love her. I mean, it's just meant to be because I just feel so close to this person. Can I break something down to you? If you hang out with Bozo the Clown long enough, you'll fall in love with him. So please don't trust your feelings. Your feelings can be wrong. Just because you think, oh, they're so wonderful, they're just so awesome, I get this warm feeling all over. You can get the warm feeling all over the wrong person too. And so that doesn't mean anything to me. No offense, I'm just telling you right now, I am massively discounting my emotions because emotions will lie to you. The Bible is very clear about this in Jeremiah, that our feelings oftentimes, our heart is deceitful. And so it will lie to you. It really will. If you don't believe me, just think about your last relationship that was a giant mess. You're like, you, but you were crazy about them. How'd that work out? And so just because you have emotions doesn't mean it's God's will. So you want to go with what is right rather than just what feels right. So be very careful because your emotions will play, play tricks on you. And the last one here on Destiny People is there are people that walk into your life while others walk out. People that walk into your life while others walk out. Everyone wants to be your friend when you're doing well, when you're, when you're wealthy and you got money, but all of a sudden you're broke, who's still hanging out with you? Right? Everyone wants to be your buddy when you're on top, but when you're not on top, are they still hanging out with you? And so when I hear pastors t- tell me about, oh, this person left our church and th- th- this happened and all these people left, it really hurt, I always tell them, that's, that's good. You got rid of the non-destiny people so you can have the destiny people, so you can move forward. And so I'm not trying to say they're bad people that left the church, I'm just trying to say that wasn't part of your destiny. And so God has people that are supposed to be part of your destiny. Does that make sense? And so you got to know, not everyone is a part of your future. And so understand that when God, when other people flock out, who flocks in? Who comes in and says, I'm going to stand by my pastor. I'm going to stand by the leaders because that's the people who God has called for your next step in your destiny. Honestly, I do not trust people as a minister until they've already had to turn to a friend that left and said, no, I'm going to stay. Because that's your faithful people that you can count on in your life. Who is it that when other people flew the coop and left, who stayed by your side when no one else believed in you? Who believed in you? That's destiny for your life. Those are the kind of people you want to put around your life and trust in them. Honestly, I don't have trust until it's tested. And so make sure that you have someone that they have been tested and tried and found true in your life. That's a destiny person in your life. That's who you want to be around. So as God draws you into his plans, he will give you destiny relationships, destiny connections. That's a really big deal. And you know what? Let me tell you something else about conflict, by the way. I'm just throwing this in. I had to mention this in the last service. I want to just say this to you. Maybe you're dealing with conflict with someone right now, and they've left your life, or they're, they're, they're turning on you. You can always tell when someone's about to turn on you by the language they use. They begin to change what they say. So listen very carefully to what people are saying, because out, out of the mouth, uh, the heart speaks. So listen very carefully to what they're saying. And I want to tell you this right now. The great thing about conflict, here's the strength of conflict. Conflict is what really proves who's really in alignment with you. Because you, you really don't know what you have until you've gone through some things. And so when people leave your life, it's because God knew they were not in alignment with you, and he can never give you assignment until you first have alignment. So he will bring you people who are with you, and then he gives you an assignment. So it's good. Conflict always is the precursor to great things of God. And so the, the disciple that led Jesus into his destiny was not Peter, it was Judas. Judas led Jesus to his greatest move. It wasn't Peter. And so understand, oftentimes, it's the pain of betrayal and hurt that leads you into your future. And so understand, God will even use those difficulties. Look for destiny relationships. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. 
Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This was a prophecy of Isaiah 700 years in advance of it actually happening. Now, here's the thing about the scripture that I just read. Mary knew that scripture. You know why? She's a good Jewish girl. She grew up in the temple, and they all knew the scripture of Isaiah. And so, but think about when this finally hit Mary. So this angel tells her, hi, I'm an angel, right? And you, I'm from God, and God wanted me to tell you that the Holy Spirit's about to overpower you, and you're going to have a child. She says, but I'm a virgin. There's no way. It's not even physically possible. He says, yes, it is, because the Holy Spirit is going to impregnate you, and you're going to have a baby. Now, I wonder if it happened at that moment, or maybe the next week she was in church, right? Next week she's in temple, and someone gets up, and the prophet Isaiah says that, you know, one day a virgin will give birth to the Messiah. And she's like, oh, yeah, a virgin give birth. She's whoa. Uh, uh, wait a minute, you just, that's in Isaiah? I, I know that scripture. I, I didn't know I was, I was her. I didn't know I was going to be the one that, I, I didn't know as a 15, 16-year-old girl, I was going to be the virgin that God impregnates, and that's me. And then, but wait a minute, the other scripture says that it's going to come through the lineage of, of David, and you know, I mean, that's, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not from the line of David. Of course, Joseph is the guy I'm going to marry. Wait a minute, I'm going to marry a guy, and he's from the line of David. He's from Bethlehem. Whoa, 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 whoa. So, 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 so I'm the girl that's going to have the, the child of God, and I'm going to marry into the lineage of David. This is great. This is all lining up. It's almost like God planned it. <laughs> you ever felt that way? You're like, this is crazy. Everything lines up with God's word. Now, this is important. Please write this down, would you? Number three, as you draw closer to your divine destiny, God's word becomes personal. Have you had this happen to you yet? Where you read a scripture and you have that freak out moment? Like, uh, like this happens to me. I I'll be in the word of God and I read something and I'm like, that's exactly what I just asked God. And so this is important. I want to encourage you when it comes to the word of God not to do what's called the dip and skip method. This is when you're praying, you're like, God, what do you want me to do today? And Judas went out and hung himself. Oh, wait, that can't be God. Wait a minute. Lord, are you sure that's what you want? Go and do likewise. Oh, Lord, this can't be you, right? And so don't do the dip and skip method. That's a bad idea, okay? Instead, read the Bible systematically. Some people choose to do it cover to cover, Genesis to the maps, right? That's great. But maybe you're like me, and you get stuck in Deuteronomy, and you're like, whoa, this is really slowing me down, right? And so you're like, all the laws, the rules, you're like, oh, wow, I know it's important, but man, that's kind of hard to read, just read through. So here's what I do, and you don't have to do this, but it, it's a great system, and you can do it. I love the one-year Bible. You can actually get the one-year Bible app now, okay? But what it does, it gives you a little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs every day. Now, if you're like me, my one-year Bible kind of turns into my one-year-and-a-half Bible, if you know what I'm saying? because sometimes we miss days, right? But the truth is that even if I do that, I'm still getting every day's reading. So here's what I do. You don't have to do this, but this is what I do, and I've done it for years. I have a one-year Bible. Sometimes it turns into my one-year or two-year Bible, but it's okay, because I'm still reading systematically through the Word of God. At the end of a year and a half or two years, I can say I've read through the entire Word of God. You know, we say we believe it. We probably should read it. We probably should actually know what it says. And here, so here's what I do. I have a little journal, just a little you know, couple bucks journal. You can go buy it, Rite Aid right now for 99 cents. And, you know, just turn the page, write the date at the top. Dear God, here's my thoughts for today. I first of all just want to worship you. I just want to honor you today and tell you I love you, Lord. I'm yours. I want to surrender myself fully to you. And I say, dear God, here's some questions I have for you today. What do you want me to do about this? What do you want me to do about that? And I just write out the questions. And then I'll go to the next day's reading. Now, the next day's reading for me is not the actual dated reading because normally I'm behind. And so I just simply check off what I've read and turn to the next page and start reading the next day. That way I don't skip any of the scripture. I can't tell you how many times I've written, dear God, what should I do about this? What should I do about that? And then I open the next day reading and it is freaky scary how literally the next day's reading will answer the question I just asked. Have you guys ever had this before where you're like, that is just crazy, 
right? You ever had that moment? Maybe you're having a moment like this now where the preacher, you know, comes in, some spiky-haired preacher with ADD from Texas comes in, and you're like, he's talking right to me. That's how God works. That's how his word is so powerful. But he doesn't just want to do that in church. He wants to do that with his actual word. Listen, if you study in scripture, or I'm sorry, study history, any time where you saw a great revival happen, there were always a people that became alive to the book. The book became new to them. They began to read it and go, oh my goodness, this is speaking directly to me, to my situation. This is so crazy how I just asked this and God just answered it. God's word is so incredibly powerful. The word of God is the most powerful thing you will ever read. I go to the, I, I go stand in line at the cashier, the cash register at the local you know, grocery market, wherever it happens to be for you. And so I'm standing in line and there's a People magazine and there's a Us Weekly and there's an In Touch Weekly, whatever all the magazines are, right? And I'm like, okay, I'll grab it. And I don't know about you, but I just gravitate towards that stuff. I don't know why I shouldn't, but I'm like, you know, let me see. Who are the Kardashians dating now? Who's the next male to, to ruin their life? Okay, let's see. And I go through it, right? And, I, and I'm looking at this and I grab the next magazine. Oh, look at that. You know, Justin Bieber gave birth to a child. That's interesting. I had no idea. And so the inquirer told me that's true. And so, you know, you're reading through these magazines, right? And you're reading all the stuff. And I don't know why. I'm just drawn to that. But here's what, I, well, here's what happens when I say, I'm going to go read the Word of God today. And I'll head towards my Bible, and I'm not even 10 feet from my Bible, and ring, all of a sudden my phone rings. Oh, hello. Oh, hey, what's up? Right? Or all of a sudden, bing, you know, I pull up, oh, I got a new email, got to respond to that, or it's a knock at the door. It's amazing how I can go read In Touch Weekly, People Magazine, whatever, and I'm, no one ever interrupts me. But the moment I go for this book, the phone rings, Someone, there's a knock at the door, something comes up. It's almost like there's something in the spiritual realm trying to keep me out of this book. It's almost like there's some kind of barrier that's trying to keep me from the Word of God. Because the devil knows you are dangerous when you get the Word of God in you. He knows that. You're dangerous. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm dangerous. Give him that crazy look in your eyes. You're like, I'm dangerous. <laughs> Tell him right now. Say, I'm dangerous. Come on, say it right now dangerous. It's true. The Word of God in a live Christian, full of the destiny of God, becomes dangerous. God wants to use you properly. The Word of God is powerful. Heard about this elderly woman. She left church on a Sunday night, and she goes home, and she walked in her home and didn't know, but she walked into the middle of a burglary. There was someone stealing stuff from her, right? The lights are off. This guy's sneaking across the room. She just sees him. She panics. She doesn't know what to do. She just says, Acts 238, because she had heard some verse in church, right? She just threw it out there, and the guy freezes, and he doesn't move. And she's like, he's not moving. So she slowly goes over the phone while he's just standing there, picks up the phone, and calls 911. Five minutes later, the police show up. They get this guy. They arrest him. And so as they're putting him in the back of a police car, the policeman says, hey, man, what's up with you? Why'd you just stop? He said, what are you talking about? He said, all this old lady did was say a scripture verse to you. And he said, what? And she says, yeah, she just yells Acts 238 and you just freeze? He says, Acts 238? I thought she said she had an axe in 238. What are you talking about? <laughs> God's word is powerful. It will stop you in your tracks. Get into the Word of God. It is for you. It will change your life. It really, really will. Check out the next scripture. Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. It says, When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So he says, you know what? Okay, Lord, you show me this really is your child, so I'm going to go ahead and marry her. But it says he did not have sexual relations, relations with her. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Okay, so <laughs> I'm a really bad person. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm, 
I'm a sinner, I know. Okay, number four, write this down. Inside God's destiny is your provision and protection. Inside God's destiny is the provision and the protection you need. Let's talk about provision for a minute because every pastor I know, pastor, can you relate to this? You're like, I have more vision than I have money. I mean, this happens every time. I mean, it's like, Lord, could you just give me the cash up front so we can go do this? And the Lord's like, nope, it doesn't work like that. Because if, if God gave you all the money you need to do what God told you to do, you wouldn't need him. So he almost always gives you way more vision than you have money, right? He gives you way more vision than you have know-how. He gives you way more vision than you have the connections. You're like, I don't have the connections. I don't have the know-how. I don't have the money. But God gives you the vision. Because what he does, he's trying to say, this is where I want you to go towards. And here's the thing. Just like a good football team, and I know yesterday was a really good day for most of you, right, football-wise. And so just like a good receiver, the quarterback does not throw the ball, the provision, where you are. He throws the ball where he told you to go. And so when you're on the line and the quarterback says, hut, it's time to go, and he gets a provision in his hand, and he's waiting for you to run your route. Now, the moment you cross that line and start to run your route, the enemy's going to pop you. Every great wide receiver knows this. You can't get upset by the pop. You know, some wide receivers get hit, boom, they get popped, and they just stop. And they're like, he hit me. That wasn't nice. And you're like, man, that's part of the game. You just need to know going in. There's an enemy, and the moment you cross the line into his territory, he's going to pop you. Don't you stop. You run your route. So you get popped. Bam, you get hit. What do you do? Stay on task, stay on target, and run your route. And right when you run your route and obey what the quarterback told you to do, you turn, and he's going to hit you with just what you need. God never releases the resources until you've already crossed the line of obedience. So you say, well, you give me the money, Lord, and I'll do it. And God says, you cross the line, and I'll, and I'll do what I told you I'll do. But I need to see your faith before you're going to see my provision. Do you know what Joseph was to Mary? She wasn't just a husband. He was a great husband, too. But guess what? He was a provision. You know, it's interesting that Jesus was not born into a priest's home. He was born into a businessman's home. I think that's interesting. Could it be that God did not want his son to be religious? That he wanted his son to get down to the business of the kingdom of God. So he gave him a dad who understood. He gave him an earthly father that understood cash flow and businesses and how to make a profit and how to have great customer service and how to work with people. Could it be that Jesus, since he spent 30 years doing it, needed that knowledge so he could impact the kingdom? Can I tell you, some of the most important people to the kingdom of God are people that will never work at the church. They're people that will fund the church, do God's work. Some of you business people need to hear this loud and clear. I didn't say this in any of the service. I'm going to say this for you. You are an integral part of the future of this ministry. We need you to succeed and what God has put on your heart so you can bless God's work. We need you to understand that you say, well, I have all this ambition and I feel like I'm supposed to own these properties and do these businesses and do these investments and do all this stuff. And I don't know, I just, I'm, I'm no one's supposed to be more spiritual, but I'm just not, I'm just into all that. And God says, no, that is spiritual. I put that in you for a reason because if you don't accomplish those things, we can't get the work of God done. So I hope God's stirring in someone right now. I hope he's doing that because God wants to do that in you. Pastor, I'm going to take a moment if I can. I didn't say anything in the service. I just feel led. I just, Spirit of God just puts it in my heart. Years ago, I prayed a prayer. I said, God, I'm frustrated because I have all these pastor friends around the country that got all these millionaires and gazillionaires in their church. And our town's not like that. And I know this is a similar type of environment. Good people, love the Lord, honor God. You just don't have a lot of that wealth in your community. That's, that's where, I'm not trying to insult you. That's my community. That's Corpus Christi, okay, where I live. And I remember saying, Lord, it's so frustrating. All my friends up in North Dallas and in Houston and Atlanta and in LA, they got all these billionaires and gazillionaires that just stroke a check when they need it. We don't have that, God. And God told me this. You do have all those millionaires in your church. They're just in seed form. Water it. 
and I brought the torches, began to water it, and all of a sudden there's these 24, 25, 28, 30-year-olds, guys that were like, I'm dreaming this dream, and I don't know where it's coming from, but I can't stop it. Every time I go to the Lord and I pray and I'm in God's house, I get these crazy dreams. That's because you don't even know that that's who you are yet. God's trying to water you and grow you into that. Why? Kingdom of God needs you. It's time to step up. It's time to begin to, obey, begin to obey God and see what God wants to do through you. Young lady, there's a reason why you don't just work as a secretary. You're, you're eyeing becoming the CEO of the company. You know, is that possible? Ask Carly Fiorina. She can tell you all about that, being a secretary, and all of a sudden you're running the company. You know, go ask these great uh, women of faith that began to honor God and doing great things. Go, go, go. Don't, you know, oh, I can't influence people. Go ask Deborah in the Bible. Go ask Ruth in the Bible if God doesn't have a great future for you. He does. These great men and women of God. I want to encourage you today to know this. God put ambition in you not to frustrate you. He put ambition in you so you'll fulfill it. And God's saying, cross the line, run the route, and I'll hit you right when you need it. I want to challenge you to understand that God has his provision. He also has his protection for you, and that's what Joseph was for Mary. And so Joseph did his part. Where would we be, not just without Mary, but without Joseph? God used Joseph powerfully in Jesus' life. And the same way, God wants to do something great through you as well. He is not done doing a great work. He is not done. I want to tell you something. God will come through for you. Let me say that again. God will come through for you. What are you worried about? God will come through for you. You don't have the money. God will come through for you. You don't know what to do next. God will come through for you. Can someone get inside in God's house? Because God will come through for you. He will. There's a there's a true story about a, a 10-year-old little boy who was in a tragic accident and lost his left arm, completely lost his arm. Now, it's hard enough to be 10 to go to school and you get picked on and all that, but imagine going to school as a 10-year-old without an arm. You can only imagine, I mean, kids are cruel. Man, this is already a tough stage of life, let alone missing your left arm. So his mom one day is driving him around. She's running errands. He's in the backseat of the car, and as they drive by this one particular place, it said judo, karate on the door, and he saw these big windows and all these little kids practicing their judo and the karate, and he said to his mom, hey mom, can I take karate, can I take judo? She says, sweetie, I just don't think that's a good idea, I mean, you, you, baby, you're missing an arm, I, I feel bad, I just don't know how you can do that. He said, please, can you just ask, can you just ask? She said, all right, so she pulls in, she goes into the judo place with her son. Her son's just lighting up. He's like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. He sees all these kids in little outfits, you know, and they're doing their karate kicks and this and that. He's like, I want to do that. She goes up to the judo master there working, and she says, sir, I'd like to sign my son up for judo. Is it okay? If he? And he's like, oh, that'd be great. And he says, oh, is this your boy here? Yes. He says, ma'am, come here. Pulls her aside. Ma'am, I, I feel really bad saying this. I don't know if I feel comfortable doing this because, you know, the first thing that we teach in judo, one of the lessons we teach is, that when you see a weakness, you expose it in your opponent, which means that kids are going to naturally see that he's missing his arm, and they're going to expose that. And I, I just, I'm, your, your poor son's had enough of a hard, hard time. She says he really wants to do this. He, he's begging me. Is there any way someone can teach him some judo moves? He says, you know what? There's a retired sensei, a retired master I know. Let me call him up. This may be just what your son needs, and frankly, this may be just what the retired sensei needs too. So, she, so he calls up this guy that used to work there. Guy's retired now. Calls him up and says, hey, there's a young man who wants some private lessons. I want to see if you're interested. He said, why are you calling me? He said, well, because this little boy's missing his left arm. Immediately the sensei says, and he wants to take judo. Yes, sir. He says, you know what? That's impressive to me. 
Not only will I train him, but if you'll let me use your gym late at night when everything's closed, I'll train him for free. So this guy goes straight out of Mr. Miyagi, right? Shows up, and he's like, I'll be glad to train your, your son. So the mom and the son start coming up after hours and meeting this older man, and he begins to train this young 10-year-old boy without his left arm how to do judo. And so he first trains him for a couple months just in getting in great shape. The little boy gets in excellent shape. Then he teaches him this one signature move, this one takedown move, right? And so after about a month of this one move, the, the little boy says, Sensei, can you teach me another move? And the Sensei says, nope, you know everything you need to know. He says, sir, all I know is one move. He goes, that's all you need to know. You are ready. In fact, not only are you ready, but earlier today, I signed you up for a competition. Little boy says, well, wh- wh- what? No, I, I'm not ready for that. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm missing an arm. There's no way. And he goes, no, 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 you didn't mention that earlier. He goes, you can do this. He goes, you don't think I know about that? You can do this. So two weeks go by. He trains, he practices his one move, and they go to competition. Now the little boy is lined up without that left arm with an opponent across from him. The referee's looking at this kid with one arm and looking over at the sensei, and the sensei just nods his head like, I know, keep going. So they start the match. And the little boy, that his opponent's real timid, kind of comes in, but not real hard because he just, you know, he feels bad. The kid's missing an arm. But he kind of comes at him nice and easy. And the little boy, when he gets close enough, knows that one move so well. It's the only move he's ever practiced. Knows it really well. Did this one signature move, and boom, takes him out. They couldn't believe it. Now he's in the second round. Now the coach sees what he did this first guy, and he's like, okay, take this kid serious. We need to actually compete. So he lines back up. This guy's one move down, lines up. They blow the whistle. He comes at him. And now this other kid's starting to hit him pretty good. I mean, he's really coming at him with some serious moves. But as soon as he gets just close enough in just the right spot, the little kid takes him, does his one signature move, again, beats him. Now he's in the final round. Now age doesn't matter or size. Now he's in the final round with a kid twice his age, almost twice his size. So he lined up. And immediately ref is like, okay, here we go. Starts the match. This big kid starts pounding this little guy. I mean, he's taking hit after hit. About halfway through, the ref just calls the match, pauses it, walks over to the sensei with him and his mom sitting in, in the front row and says, you cannot let this continue. This is wrong like that. And the sensei says, you proceed. He'll be just fine. Fine, your funeral. Lines it back up again, lets him finish the match. That big kid is just pounding on him, but he gets close enough, gets confident enough to get just in the right space of that little boy's space. And the little boy takes the signature move and does it and wins the match. Now he's leaving with a trophy in his right hand. He can't believe what just happened. He's sitting in the front seat of the car. The sensei's driving. Mom's in the back seat. He's got his trophy in his hand. He turns to his sensei and says, how did you know I could win? I can't. I didn't think I could compete, let alone win. How did you know I could win? Sensei's driving along and says, son, I knew you'd win. You know how I knew you'd win? He says, how? He says, for two reasons. One, because you obey your master. And two, because the move I taught you, the only known defense to the move I taught you is to grab your opponent by their left arm. <laughs> if you will follow your master, even your weaknesses become your strength. You can trust that your God has the destiny for you. He knows everything about you, your strengths and your weaknesses, and he has a plan for you. Would you stand to your feet real quick? All across this auditorium, everyone standing to their feet. We're going to take a moment to pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We just take a moment to pray. I believe God is speaking today. I believe he has a divine destiny for you. This is a divine moment. This is not a normal Sunday. God's doing something unique right now in his people, in his church. As we take a moment to pray, you know, we, we oftentimes 
have people walk an aisle to come forward to receive Christ. We're going to give you a moment, and just we're going to give you in just a moment an opportunity to receive Christ. That's great. But today's a unique invitation. I'm actually going to ask you to walk forward and come if you say, God, you're speaking to me. I realize you have a divine plan for me. You've got something more in me that you're trying to get out of me. I can't explain it, but I want to say this. I believe that God is saying, I'm looking for a people who will give me their yes. I believe that there's a divine destiny for this church. You're about to make some bold moves at the church. You say, well, if you'll tell me what we're going to do, I'll let you know if I'm going to say yes to it. That's not how it works. You say, God, I'm going to give you my yes, and then you can tell me what to do. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if God is speaking to you today, he's saying, I want you to be a yes person. I want you to say, God, I want your destiny for my life. I'm scared. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm going to give you my yes right now on the front end before you even tell me what we're doing next. If that's you today, would you come forward? Would you just come give God your yes and say, I want to be a destined, a destiny person. I want to be someone who says yes to the things of God. I want your greatness in my life, God. I don't want to miss out on the divine destiny you have for me, God. And I come before your throne. I commit my life to you. I give you my yes, and I don't even know what for yet. I just give you my yes. If that's you today, would you come forward? Would you say, God, I just want to honor you. God, you moved in a 15-year-old little virgin girl's heart and did something great through her when she just said, may all you have, may all you say about me come true. That's all I can say today, God. I give you my yes. Would you give God your yes today? Are you willing? Where's the next generation rising up saying, I'll give you my yes? I'm scared, Lord. I don't know what this even looks like. I don't even know what you're going to ask of me. God says, do you trust me? Give me your yes, and then I'll tell you what we're going to do. Praise God. Praise God. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe your prayer today is that, that you don't know Jesus yet. You see, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and me, to pay the price for our sins. Then Jesus rose again from the grave, proving that he is God. Now he waits for you to simply receive him. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to take just a moment longer. Some of you right now are thinking, well, I'll receive Jesus, but I've got to get some questions answered first. Some of you are like, I, you know, Pastor, I'm going over here to college, and, you know, I, I've been taught a lot of stuff, and I've got some scientific questions I need answered first. I've got some philosophical questions, some historical questions, and if I get those answers, then I'll receive Jesus. Can I break something down to you? That means you're saying, I'll receive Jesus as long as I don't have to have faith. It doesn't work like that. He wants you to have faith, to trust him. You say, no, man, I need my answers first. I just disagree with that because you're living your life by faith already. Are you going to tell me you understand how all those ones and zeros work when you turn on your iPad? You're going to tell me you understand all that? Or is it that you just use it by faith and just trust it when they tell you if you save something, it'll be saved? Could it be that you've just learned to just push power instead? Are you going to tell me, well, I'll use that Apple product when I understand it all. Or maybe you just use it by faith. You see, I want you to get your answers too, but frankly, some of those answers aren't going to come on this side of eternity. So by the time you get to ask those questions, it'll be too late. Why don't today you take it by faith and say, I'm just going to push power. I'm just going to receive Jesus. I still got some questions, and I like those answered, but by faith, I'm going to receive Jesus today. I just believe. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can pray a simple prayer to receive Christ right now, wherever you are. You've seen someone step forward in faith already right in front of you. Maybe this is your faith step to finally receive Jesus. 
with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Together, we're going to pray out loud. For those of you who never prayed it before, you can pray and receive Christ right now. We're just going to pray alongside you to encourage you. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. Please come in my heart. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord. I make you my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, then Christ has come in your life. We encourage you, the next steps is to get baptized, water baptism, join the church, get in a small group, begin to grow in your faith. But I want to just say to the whole church right now, again, not a normal weekend, God did not call me just to bring a message. God called me to put you on notice that there's something new going on in this church. God called me to put you on notice that he's about to bring his glory here. The best days of this church are not behind her, it's in front of her. And I believe God called me to come here to tell you, get ready. Give God your yes and hold on for the ride. Because he's about to do things you never thought possible. But he's waiting for you to quit coming to church and start being the church. So I want to be your person, God. I want to be the one you use next. I give you my yes. Next week, your pastor will begin to go into greater detail on what that looks like for you. As they begin to walk by faith, it will require you to walk by faith. And I pray that they lead you to do something uncomfortable that scares you because that's the only thing that's going to make you live by faith. We don't want to be comfortable, God. We want to be your people. We'll go where you tell us to go. We'll do what you tell us to do. We will be the kind of people you call us to be. God, thank you for the work you're doing in this great church. Thank you, God, for the great leadership that you've given us through our pastor. Thank you, Lord, for the passion of a family that has been dedicated to you and dedicated this community for decades. God, thank you that you have more for us. That, Lord, we will not retreat. We will advance in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord, for all among us, our people that have said yes to you, to honor you, to follow you, to take the ambition you've given them and point it to you and honor you with those dreams, those goals, those desires, that you may fulfill them in us so we can do your kingdom's work. Thank you, Lord, for your church, for your people. Today is a divine moment. We awaken to our destiny in Christ. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for letting me share with you today. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.